Hello, listeners. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tanya in episode three of Third Culture Therapy. As usual, I'm sharing a couple of my personal reflections on the topics she raised and which I found quite thought-provoking. One of the things Tanya mentioned that really resonated with me was how her migration experience to Canada was not only fraught with confusion, loss, and displacement on an individual level, being as she was a child, but also how it impacted her relationship with her primary caregiver and the knock-on effect of her mother's displacement, loss, and confusion on the young Tanya. The cultural clashes that inevitably came about because of the differences between Iranian culture and Canadian culture are things I can relate to, even if I didn't leave one country for another, as Tanya did, although my parents did. As I mentioned in the episode, my parents had left their countries in the Middle East not entirely by choice, and so they had a strong an understandable attachment to their heritage that they wanted to pass down to me. I understand that and respect it, but while they did their best to infuse me with a sense of Arabness and what that meant culturally, historically, even linguistically, they did not necessarily do an equally good job of reciprocating the understanding of my British-English culture or in meeting me where my lived experience was. What I mean to say is that in their bid to make sure that I didn't lose sight of where I came from, they sometimes lost sight of where I actually was and what impact that would have on me. So they didn't necessarily understand or get involved in the day-to-day culture of the UK and its people, and therefore there was a large part of me in my life that was not shared with them. As a result, there were parts of me that they didn't know or couldn't fully connect with, and that was sad insofar as we always want the people we love the most to know us the best. I also feel like it can sometimes create a separation of selves and identities that can fracture one's persona and create a situation in which you are code-switching so much between cultures and peoples that you become multiple persons within yourself. The second thing I found really relevant from what Tanya said was the adult responsibility that she had to assume as a child in order to help her mother who had a lot of responsibilities and a new language and country to adapt to, which can understandably be a bigger or at least different kind of challenge to face as an adult. She mentioned having to help her mother with paperwork and the like, and I remarked in the episode how we are all our immigrant parents' secretaries, and while I said it with a laugh, I meant it quite seriously. I recall from a young age knowing a lot about my parents' administrative dealings, from parking tickets to bank accounts to political issues and activism, my sisters were often expected to help deal with them, partly because they felt that since we were native English speakers, our method of communication would be better than theirs, and partly so that they would give us the independence and skills to be able to navigate the complexities of the real world when we were older. It is understandable. We were a small nuclear unit without any extended family in the country, and who knows what could have happened to our parents early on, particularly as they were, for a time, political activists, as I've mentioned. Also, as I said, we were native English speakers and born British, so we had a better understanding of the language and the customs of the country we were living in. So that meant that we were from a young age intimately involved in our parents' financial and legal matters. On the one hand, these were great life skills. I could write letters to various bureaucratic departments from my early teens, and I understood complex matters related to immigration, investment, tax, and politics while I was still at school. There's no doubt that it gave me incredibly valuable skills to face the so-called real world with. 
My parents had a lot of trust in me and my sisters, but with trust comes responsibility, and with responsibility comes obligation, and with that, it's close friend, guilt. And so by gaining these skills and duties, I also lost a certain degree of the carefreeness of childhood, of a period in one's life before all the real-world life-men swallows you up, where you actually don't have to think or deal with weighty matters or of anyone else, really, where your own complex, albeit relatively insignificant, teenage issues take front and center and are the most important things you have to deal with. In the face of serious and cerebral matters to attend to on behalf of my parents, the sometimes frivolous yet personally significant aspects of childhood can pale in comparison. I guess what I'm saying is that it did take away a bit of my childhood innocence and lightheartedness way of being, and I don't mean to blame or criticize my parents for those choices, but it does perhaps help explain a little bit of the difficulty I had in being able to switch off and relax as an adult, seeing as I was always aware and attuned to the needs of the most important adult in my life. I also can't deny that I have gained a lot from what they taught me. I have been ready for many of life's big issues early on and had the experience and skills to deal with them. So it isn't a clear-cut loss or gain. It simply is what it is, and I think with that understanding, each person may find something useful to take from that to better comprehend how their mental and emotional well-being fits into it. Tying all this to Tanya's point on emotional intelligence, I think the immigrant experience, whether first or second generation, does, generally speaking, imbue one with some of the skills present in emotionally intelligent people, because one does, from a very young age, get a hyper-awareness and empathy of others, particularly those closest to you, as well as a strong sense of purpose. And to summarize emotional intelligence, as I understood it from what Tanya said, we have these five pillars, beginning with self-awareness, which is knowing yourself and analyzing your feelings to understand where they're coming from and what they relate to and how they impact on you and others. Then there is self-regulation, a form of managing these feelings, not suppressing or controlling them, but rather knowing how to restrain or maneuver them for best outcomes. Then we have empathy skills, emphasis on skills, as Tanya said, which look like listening intently, paying attention to body language, and understanding rather than judging. Motivation is another pillar. So what are your values and purposes? What is the goal? Knowing how to plan and remain consistent in the face of highs and lows. Then social skills marries all the pillars together to bring you into the wider world as a communicator. These are pillars that are always developing and not necessarily linear. For example, I think I'm very empathetic, sometimes a little overly so, and that in turn means that my self-regulation is not always on point, and the way that I manage my feelings and emotions is still very much a work in progress. But that is what we all are. Weird and wonderful works in progress, and there's so much to celebrate in that. Even as we strive to better ourselves, we must always do so with love and compassion for ourselves and for others. Thank you for listening.